Thank you for tuning in. This is Herc's World. I am Casual with the Mini Mix brought to you by Lakeisha Henderson with White Your Realtors SPM. Check me out on Snapchat. See Casual Snap. Let's go ahead and get into the mix. Where this album is crazy. Do I dance with this? Get your lean on, shall they bring it back? Go get your lean on, shall they bring it back? Hey, get your lean on, shall they bring it back? Get your lean on, shall they bring it back? Come on. It was nice to know you. Cause I've been going off and they don't know when it's stopping And when you get the I see that you've been learning And when I take you shopping, you spend it like you earned it And when you popped off on your ex, he deserved it I thought you were the one from the jump that confirmed it Trap money, Benny I buy you champagne, but you love some Henny From the block like you Jenny I know you special, girl, cause I know too many Risha, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me Man. We live a fast now. Fast. 
finest, finest Rose, we can go, we can go Casual and of course the mini mix is brought to you exclusively by Lakeisha Henderson with Watcher Realtors SPM in Barlett. On Instagram, I got the keys underscore 901. Facebook, Lakeisha Henderson. Email her own it 901 at gmail.com. Or you can give her a call 901-297-7549. Big Herc, it's your world, man. What you got for him today? Hey, y'all know when y'all hear my voice. It is none other than me, the Big Hurt, a.k.a. your girlfriend's favorite podcast host, and you are listening to Hurt's World. If you have not been here before, welcome. If you've, you know, been here a couple times, you know what to do. Take your shots at the door. Uh, I had somebody inbox me and say, hey, you know, Hurt, I don't drink anymore. So do I, can I, you know, do I start to take shots? Uh, Yeah, you got to take shots, but you can take shots of water. Uh, that is acceptable because I know everybody doesn't drink or partake in the fruit of the nectar like I do. So, um, yes, you can take shots of water. Um, but anyway, welcome to Hearst World. Um, I just want to give a special, special thank you to our guest from last week uh, for coming out and showing uh, and speaking with me basically about what it's like being a black father in America the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and I really hope that 
y'all got y'all fathers something decent for Father's Day. Um, I know I, I got a massage. They took me out to eat. Um, you know, so I'm really, really happy about my Father's Day gifts. And I hope y'all are happy with yours. Um, but once again, this is Hurts World. This week, we are talking about a topic that we don't really talk about in the Black community. Um, and it's mental health. Now, not only do we not talk a lot about mental health, we don't talk about men's mental health. And June uh, is Men's Mental Health Month. So um, I got a couple individuals together, um, and we're going to talk a little. They're going to tell a little bit of their personal story about how they you know, deal with their mental health, um, the things, some of the things that cause them to uh, want to seek help in rebuilding their mental health. And then I went out and found a talented, amazing, amazing doctor um, who was going to, you know, speak with us and debunk some of those myths uh, about mental health. So you are to, you are in store for a great, great show. Uh, I know you're going to learn something. I know you're going to enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. This is Hurts World. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Hurts World. I am none other than your girlfriend's favorite podcast host, The Big Hurt. And I am joined by two individuals, uh, and we'll have one on later, um, who are... One of them is well-versed in mental health. Um, he is Dr. Khalid Scott. Um, Dr. Scott has a BS, a master's. He has an LCSW, a CABC, a lot of different letters that I don't know what they mean. I'm going to have, you know what? I'm going to have Dr. Scott come off mute and just give you a couple of his, give you his own conditions because I don't want to mess it up. Like, I'll be bringing people along, but I don't want to be messing up people's stuff. So, Dr. Scott, uh, tell a little, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, again, thank you, Marvin, for having this um, pivotal um, episode, um, because we do need to discuss men and mental health, and especially brothers of color, you know, because we are the forgotten stepchildren. You know, when it comes to mental health, um, I've been in this um, occupation or this industry. August will make 29 years. Right. So I know both of you all weren't even born when I came in. Right. So I was. <laughs> I was here. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. But I came in because when I was in college, I immediately saw. friendships discriminated, right? And they weren't getting the services they needed. And so I was like, wow, this is my calling, especially to help men of color. And um, I haven't regretted a day since I've been in the, um, the, in the field. Um, not only am I I'm a licensed clinical social worker, you know, um, who I, when I work for the VA with um, black male veterans during the day, then I have my own private practice. Um, international high achievers, 
where I'm providing um, therapy, both individual and marriage therapy. And primarily my clients, guess what, are who? Black males. And this is unheard of. This is unheard of. And it was something about the pandemic that I think cued people to say, you know what? Now that I've been able to sit down and, 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 and be lost in my thoughts and be able to reflect, hey, I got some challenges I'm dealing with. And you know what? If I broke my leg, I would go to a doctor, right? So if my mind doesn't, if my mind is feeling broken, maybe I need to go to a clinician, a doctor to see what's going on with me. And business is booming, gentlemen. Business is booming. In fact, um, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, during Thanksgiving to Christmas, within that five-week radius, seven black men called me or contacted me talking about suicidal ideation. Seven black men. That's unheard of. That's unheard Because we suffer in darkness, right? Right. And one of them had a shotgun on the passenger side of his seat when he called me at one o'clock in the morning. So I was able to convince him to go and hospitalize himself. And now he's on, you know, he's been diagnosed and now he's on his medication. But what if he didn't call me? Right. What if he didn't right. call me? Where would he be? Five kids would not have a dad to celebrate Father's Day on Sunday. So this is a serious topic that we really need to dwell into and continue to dwell into. And um, not only do I, um, I work as a therapist and a social worker, but I also mentor young black males. So I'm invested. I'm invested. And again, thank you for having me. No, not a problem. Um, I also went out and got one of my, so I call them, I, I, we, we talk real reckless to each other. I'm not going to talk reckless to you today. Uh, I'm going to act right in front of company. But I went out and got, you know, uh, reached out to my guy. And I'm going to let him introduce himself and uh, we'll go from there. What's going on with you, man? So uh, you got to tell people who you are, man. Okay, well, well, okay, well, people, I'm Anthony. Uh, we've been friends for 13, 14 years now, something like that, around that range. Yeah. Um, I am a project kid. Uh, when I met Marvin, still doing rough stuff, uh, there was a gap. Like I said, we talked to each other breakfast because we've known each other so long. He's like a brother. So I can talk to him crazy. But uh, I'm not one of the black men that the doctor mentioned, but I am a black man that went through depression and had a lot of things emotionally hard out that I felt like I couldn't tell anyone. And luckily for me, I got it and emotionally dealt with it myself and grew to see what I was going through emotionally. But like the doctor said, there's a lot of men that don't do that. Like we don't see it. We don't know what it is we can't identify because we've been told don't do this you shouldn't do that that's not how men should act blah 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 how they do it but now i'm just a person who's made it to the end of the tunnel i guess that's the best i can do and and you know we're going to talk a little bit about you know your your walk through that tunnel um but before we get into that 
Um, I got another one of my um, really, really close friends, um, Devin, on here. Um, hopefully we got his audio fixed. Um, but Devin, introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are, where you're from. And, um... we got, so we got a little feedback. Kind of like a, it sounds like a, all right, go ahead, go ahead and say something for us. Now we can't hear you. You can't hear me? Now I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Devin Anderson. I go on Instagram by Devin Fates. Barber by trade from Memphis, Tennessee. Went to Rust College, mass communication major. Um, currently, I barber. I'm from Texas. So, um... Let's let's dive let's dive right into it. So, and I know you've battled, um, you know, you've done different, you know, spouse with depression, Devin. Mm-hmm. You know, you've uh, spoken out a lot about your your battle with the thing with your mental health. Um, what made y'all want to reach out to somebody and talk more about this this? situation that lot not not a lot of black men talk about like i know we talked about it talk about it amongst each other but it's not one of those things that we as a society really embrace so i'm gonna let Devin go first um so what made you want to you know reach out and talk about this can i curse can i curse yes you can curse oh okay i I, I stopped giving a damn about what other people had to say i started i legitimately had to have to had to have no fucks left to give it legitimately had to get to that point for me because i would i will i would have held on and deflected until the last mirror came then it ain't one no running so that's the first it might that that in therapy itself like i was going through therapy online during the pandemic nobody knew i didn't tell nobody but through going through that he started to actually you start making yourself what he did was he taught me how to unlearn a lot of stuff and rewrite my own story with my own pen. Nobody else is pen my own. So once you once I got to that point, a lot of stuff started becoming more easier because I start my perspective shift on problems and challenges that I have. I see every problem and challenge I have as a way. Basically, if it's a relationship problem, it's not a problem with the relationship. It's something that's inside of me that's manifesting itself through the relationship I'm in. Whether it's whether it's intimate work related or whatever it's something that i have to work on if it's me over talking you me being very disrespectful or conniving when i'm talking that if if that is triggering you to be upset with me and i don't know that and i don't know that i'm coming off that way because i'm dealing with something else then you gotta then that's when you start really seeing like oh okay that's what this really is about it ain't really about nothing else but all my relationships are really to make me better so to speak make me better me grow and I stopped, I stopped looking at it as parasitic and just like everything is a learning lesson. I can't take it personal. It's just business. And what made you want to reach out and, you know, talk about, talk more about your mental health? In the sense, it's like he said, I like I stopped giving a fuck, but there's a difference there. Um, like, we've never talked about this. Uh, well, of course, you know, I lost my grandmother, my grandfather, then my other grandmother, all in like a four-year span. 
And I started going through some stuff mentally and emotionally that I really couldn't express to nobody. But my wake up moment was my cousin. We were the same age and he went through the same thing. He wasn't really. And I know this now. Then I didn't know that he was going through his depression and my cousin killed himself. And when I saw what it did to his his mom, my aunt, his sisters and things like that. And I'm like, what was it? And when I found out that's what it was, I'm like, hold on, I'm going through the same things. And before I get to that point, which I was close to, emotionally, I need help because I don't want to do the same thing to them. And the difference between him and me is I have children. Then I have a 14-year-old. I have younger brothers, but I have a 14-year-old brother. I have younger siblings who see me. I have nephews and nieces. And I thought about it like, I never noticed, like I said, during the pandemic too, I never noticed how much I was missed until I thought about it. And I was like, if I don't, if I don't get my emotional and things that's going on with me mentally straight, I could possibly end up at a point where I'm going to do what he did and look at the dent that it leaves. So that was my own push to be like, you know what, if I ain't got nobody to talk to, at least I can identify that I have a problem and I need to fix it. And a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people don't, luckily for me, I got there, but a lot of people don't get to that point where they have that clairvoyant moment. And like my cousin, they turn the lights out and that right there did something to me. And this was the older cousin of mine and I looked up to him and I never knew he was going through this. So to get the phone call that he killed himself was, okay, I was going down the same road. I need to fix it. So, Dr. Scott, when you hear things like that or you get calls, um, you know, for, like you said, with, from, the, from, the, from the man that, you know, had the shotgun on his seat, what are some of the things that we at that society or well, let, let, well, let's, do, let, let's go let's go to you first. What are some of the things that you would recommend or tell men who are dealing with things like that? to do first before they, you know, get to that point, what are some of the things that you would recommend? All right, Marvin, repeat your question because you went out for a moment. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. So what I was saying was, so, you know, listening to those two stories and then, you know, with the guy that had a shotgun on his seat, what are some of the things that you would recommend, you know, when a black man has got to that point, um, to want to, you know, get, you know, end it all. What are some of the things that you recommend right. before, before the black man gets to that point? Right. Well, what I tell everybody who may suspect that they may have mental health issues is to do what we call the six stages of change, right? So the first stage is um, pre-contemplation, right? So you don't really feel that, there's nothing really going on. You just think maybe I got the blues or, you know, I'm just kind of just feeling down or whatever, whatever. Then we go into contemplation um, stage. That's number two. And this is where you realize that something is bothering me. Something is a little bit off. And, 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 and I'm seeing a pattern with myself. I'm like, it's hard for me to get out of bed. You know, I, I don't want to um, be intimate with my, my partner. I don't f- find pleasure in, you know, having fun with my kids. I don't go and watch the, 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 um, the March Madness with my boys, you know. Then we got the next stage 
um, um, where it's starting, where you're starting to say, you know what? Yeah, it's something going on. It's, it, it's, 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 it's really um, something going on. And maybe I need to possibly see somebody, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm again, I know me and I'm just not, I'm not regular. I'm, I'm, I'm not who I am. Then you go into um, what we call, and that's preparation. Then we go into the action um, stage, right? And action, you call me, Dr. Scott. You know, you have, or most black men, they have their girlfriends or their wives or their mothers reach out to me, you know? And I'm like, well, mom, wife, girlfriend, pass my, pass my number on to um, Anthony and Devin and have them call me because I, I really need to talk to them, you know? And then we go into, um, and then that's the action. Where you're, and, and then you're going into, and you're really doing what you need to do. You're, you're seeing a therapist. You're going for an evaluation, you know, to see, do I have a diagnosis? Am I depressed? Do I have post-traumatic stress disorder from something that, that I had to deal with that was traumatic in my life? Do I have anxiety issues, you know? Oh, wow, you know what? All the men in my family have some kind of mental health issues. I want to know if I, because a lot of times we have organic um, uh, mental health disorders where your mom had bipolar or your dad, you know, is, is schizophrenic, and it does get passed on to your children. Um, and you go in to get evaluated to rule it in or rule it out. And then you start addressing, and you really take a hard, a hardcore look, and you start owning what's what's going on in your life, because that's the number one thing. Saying, "Wait a minute, I do have a problem." Just like with Alcoholic Anonymous, right? They make mm -hmm. you at every um, um, AA meeting. You have to stand up, introduce yourself, and say, "Hey, I'm Khalid, and I'm an alcoholic." Dr. Scott, you said we we having a couple connection issues this evening. Former athlete, and you broke your leg. If you broke your leg and you are a former athlete, what you would do is you would get that leg treated and then you would go into rehabilitation services so you can get back to your full strength and full use of that leg. And that's what participate in mental health services. That's all about is getting yourself adjusted to what your diagnosis is and getting you as back to your normal as possible. And that's it. So before we go to break, um, each of us has dealt with some form of, whether some form of depression. Um, my depression came right, you know, I think it started back, you know, when my grandfather died, because that was like what. To me, that was one of my best friends. And I kind of just, I, we as black men are kind of, you know, like Ann said earlier, we kind of just trained to 
deal with, hold it in. And if you show emotion, you're considered weak. So I kind of just held it in. Um, and then a couple years later, a week apart, um, my aunt died and um, went to my aunt's funeral, went to go see my dad. And in going to see my dad, um, one of the last things he said to me was, hey, come back by the house before you leave to go out of town. And um, I didn't go. I was like, man, I, I got to get back to Memphis, you know, whatever. Um, and then a week later, I got the phone call that he had passed. And that phone call in, you know, with those, with those two deaths kind of sit me on a, on a path of um, depression and, and kind of spiraling to where I didn't want to talk and I didn't want to communicate with anybody. Um, and then that it was somebody, you know, it was like, Hey, you talk to somebody and that got me into therapy. Um, you know, so why is, why do you, and anybody can answer Why do y'all think us as black men are so afraid to show weaknesses when it comes to, to, to mental health? I don't consider it fear. What do you think? I just feel like we have we're misunderstood. So we have a we are misunderstood in the sense of not saying that people don't understand us. We're misunderstood, meaning we don't get the full picture of everything going on. It's not necessarily fear. It's just a lack of information that we have emotionally. We lack emotional information about how we're supposed to deal with certain things. And it's just now that people are allowing us to be free in our thought process and how we feel with certain things. Because at one point, that's all it was taught. Like, my grandfather was a Marine go to work, do what you're supposed to do, take care of your family and Lord forbid, in his case, take care of however many families you have, but you never break, you've never been. And that was a manly way of thinking to a sense, but then you thought about it. So many men of that age died early, at an early age, died at work, stressed all the way out because they had the same mindset of just go and do it, it'll be all right, it'll work yourself out. Everything is not always going to work itself out. Sometimes you need to just let it out, even if it's just bouncing off the wall, bouncing off a friend. Okay, I got it out of my system. Somebody see where I am emotionally. I didn't just walk with it. I, it at least feels a little bit better to at least stop and say, you know what? I don't, like the doctor said, I don't feel right. I, I don't feel like myself. This is not my normal routine. And it's not like I'm hyper or happy. I'm down for some reason. I feel sad for some reason. I just feel low. And when you, that's when you have to stop and be like, hold on, there's a reason I feel low. I've been sad. We all have good and bad days. But depression is another type of low that we've never really understood what it was. We always wrote it off as, that was just the stress of being a black man. Right. What do you think, Debbie? I'm, I'm more along I'm more along the lines of, it's like you, we're trying, it's like we're trying, it's like what I see now is this. We're moving from the survival mindset to an, to a mindset of abundance, to where all things are possible. Like I can feel how I feel and still be the man I want to be. And being in a survival environment, your emotions can get you killed. And that's the truth. It's just because a lot of us, we not street people. 
but but street politics governed our existence for a large portion of our childhood, our upbringing, the formative years, the way we handle, the way we resolve conflict is based on street principles. Result, we just we I'm like it's like either we're gonna argue or we're gonna fight, we're gonna shoot. That's that's our go to. But if I tell, but if I tell, but at some point, I always, I always recall this. At some point, we trusted somebody with some information about us. And when push came to shove, come to, we had to find out the hard way they couldn't be trusted with said information. And that got me, got me looking like a fool, got me feeling like a dummy. And this is where the survival mentality kick in because now ego kicks in. Ego kicks in. It's like I don't, it's like my feelings are like I don't ever want to feel like that, but my ego is is shouting out. I've been I never I've been I never let a motherfucker play me like that again. I ain't that stupid. Wake up, like you like you get into that mode, like like you know, I would say Generation X, Generation that Generation X mode of you better man, feelings. Who need them for what? For what? Because every time, because it it. But we don't. But what I didn't see was what I don't think most men see is the strength in vulnerability. Vulnerability don't mean weak. It just means I'm okay with me enough to let out what I need, and and that be whoever. So the question, the question I remember with is like you got to be careful who you intimate with. And I'm not talking about sex. Into me, I see intimacy. Like you got to be very careful who you intimate with because that's gonna that's gonna be number one. Because number one, I know I can't do it by myself. I can get myself to a certain point, but just because the just because the roles that men and women play in each other's lives, I'm still gonna need that nurture, regardless whether I'm 100% man or whatever you want to call me. He ain't a real man or whatever you want to try to label me. I still need nurture in my life, regardless. And that's what the fem- that's what our mothers are there for. They they provide the nurture. We're doing we're, we but we it's like it's there's so much of a balance of just straight masculine energy. We got to be tough. We got to be in survival mode, we got to do this, we got to do that. Something go wrong, we can't panic. But it ain't nothing wrong with you letting your person that you're intimate with know what's up. And that's the thing. Can I trust you with myself? Can I trust, even as a friend, it don't even have to be the person I'm laying with you as a friend. Can I trust you with myself and you still love me as me if I'm honest with you? Well, a lot so- of people don't believe A lot of people don't believe in that. Don't believe people. There's people out there that's willing to do that. So they, so you play a role. Well said, bro. Uh, Dr. Scott, wrap it up for us, and then we'll go to break. Okay. Um, I just want to say, Anthony and Devin, you make outstanding points. You're right. You're right on the point. Right on target. And I want to just add that um, again, it has never been black men's. Um, safe zone to be vulnerable, right? Because there's an image about us, right? There's an image about us. And that narrative has went on for centuries, right? So let's go back to slavery. If you were six foot tall, about 200 pounds, what did they have us do? We were the bucks, right? So we had to lay down with all the slave women and make babies, right? Because the slave owner, master, wanted to duplicate strong slaves, right? So what happens is, and then 
when we think about black men, we think athleticism, right? That's the first go-to. Or we think about black men and what? Sex, right? Every other race of man, his value comes from his brain. Our value comes from the neck down. How we are on the basketball court, the football field, the track, and, and how we are in the bedroom. So because people think that we can be strong physically, we're also supposed to be strong mentally, right? But you think about how we've been the most disrespected race of men in the world, right? And we have to carry that with us. So, yeah, and then think about the pandemic. We were losing our jobs, right? We were in, we were at home with our families, and our wives made us feel like crap. Then, what did we witness on television? Felt like every week we saw black men getting killed in the streets. Not just by police officers and people who didn't look like us, but like here in Chicago, black on black crime runs a monk. So we got a lot of things going on with us. And now is the time that we have to address our mental illnesses. Well said. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, we'll be right back on more Hurts World. Um, I really, really hope that y'all are taking notes or absorbing this information because it's it, it's not something that we, we can take lightly. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to Hurts World. I am none other than your girlfriend's favorite podcast host, a.k.a. The Big Hurt. And we are talking to uh, Dr. Scott, uh, my homie, my homies, Devin and Anthony. And we're talking about men's mental health on today's episode. And before we went to break, um, we were talking a little bit about um, slavery and survival mode. And it's funny that that analogy came up again, because if you listen to the episode from last week, um, that same analogy uh, came up again, came up again, where us as men, you know, in slavery, we were like, like Dr. Dr. Scott said, we were bucks. You know, if you, if you looked a certain way, you kind of like the Mandingo and you had to sleep with multiple women to, um, Trying to recreate, reproduce and recreate, you know, more of you so that you could, uh, you know, get out in the field and, you know, you know, master could get his, you know, get, get his cotton pick. And because we were looked at as such strong individuals, um, we had, like you said, be mentally, we should be mentally tough also. But I feel like us as men now, we deal with so much, you know, leading the household, holding jobs, taking care of kids, being there for your friends um, when they can't be there, for them, be there for themselves, that we as men forget that we can't do it on our own and we need a support system. So if nothing else, um, get you a strong support system that you can lean on 
and just you know, and like Devin said earlier, some the, the support system is going to be there to you know listen, but they and they're, they're listening without judgment. They're they're holding what you're telling them, you know, close to the hip, so that you know. But you are still the same person, like myself, Anthony, and Devin have all not well separately, but we've had different conversations about things pertaining to um, our depression and, you know, different things that we're dealing with. And you got to be comfortable and feel safe enough with your, with your circle that there's no judgment. You know, so I, and, and I know it's hard to, to get to that point because we're trained to just be, to just suck it up and, and hold it in. Um, so, and you said that, you know, your depression started, you know, with, with the back-to-back deaths. Um, and you, you know, you saw that you had a, you, you had an issue. What, what shaped you into, be, you know, what, what you, what got, what got you out of that place? Um, you know, and, and if you don't mind, I know we were talking a little bit off camera about, you know, your, your past, um, was that spit in jail helpful or did it hurt you? It might sound weird, but it was helpful. And I'm going to tell you why. When I went to prison and not jail, like I want everybody to know, I wasn't even 21 and I was going to go to, I was going to go to the federal penitentiary for drug possession and trafficking. And I did that because, like I said, black, I'm trying to make money, but that has nothing to do with the emotional. The emotional part of that was because that was the end that was saying you only going to get so far if you look a certain type of way. But when I landed in jail, I ended up being cool with a silly 25 to life older guy. And he put something in my mental. For four years, I read a book a week. And the more I read, the more I understood certain things, the more I opened my mind to the possibility of certain things. But as I'm reading these stories and I'm looking at these things, same with my family and my cousin killing himself, I'm seeing the objective is the main character always goes through something, goes through tests. There are certain, as the Muslim faith, they say the omens you have to watch is certain things you have to see. And when I start seeing that all these omens, all these pairs are... One book in particular, The Alchemist, if you get a chance to read it, it's a very good book. And it's like, it's finding your own personal legend. And for that, that was this boy, the main character boy, he keeps trying to reach a certain goal. He keeps getting deterred by different obstacles that's coming his way. But at the end, Resolve is always saying, okay, no one thing is a multitude of things. It's just... It, Whatever problem you have, that's the problem. Deal with the problem. Keep going. And the main thing about that is deal with the problem. Don't turn and run from it. Don't cover it up. Don't act like it doesn't exist. Because when you act like it doesn't exist, it's like a pest. It grows. It feeds. It becomes more. And then a small pest becomes a big pest. And then, like like Devin said, you end up lashing out because in this world, every day, like, the doctor and Devin said, both join, you got to be a big black dude. So if I'm in a hood, I got to be a gorilla all the time. When I go to sleep, I got to be a gorilla. When I wake up, I got to be a gorilla because I'm not going to let nobody play me. 
but the truth of the matter is I'm emotionally deterred. I'm emotionally hurt and I'm emotionally and mentally scarred. And to cover it up, I'm this big, tough-ass dude instead of sitting down, you know what? I need to get this off my mind, get this off my body. Like I said, I've seen too many people lose their life stress. Like, a lot of people don't know, stress and depression put me in the hospital. And it not when I was an adult, it started when I was younger. I'm going to give you a little window into my life. When I was 16, that was my first day in going to a long-standing jail. I went to Powell Trees and Shelby Triangle Center. That was before we met each other, Barb, way before we met each other. And in that joint time, I was there from, I want to say, the age of 14-ish, a little older, until I was about 16. So I did about two years. In the two years, I'm stressing, I'm stressing, I'm stressing, I'm getting out. Because of stress and depression, I lost a testicle. I sat on the operation table, and the doctor told me, you're stressing and you're going through some type of depression. You're too young for this. And if you don't have this surgery, your intestines are going to rupture and you're going to die. You're not going to make it to the hospital. I was 16 and that was my first bout with depression. Again, I, like Devin said, I was on gorilla mode. I got my surgery to look past it. And more things started happening. My eye opener was somebody, I'm guessing this God stopped me and said, look, you have a problem. You're not taking any of the doors I'm giving you to seek help. So, Take it from someone you could possibly relate to. That's this guy in jail. The reason why I was reading the book is because he's like, get your mind off this. It's more than that. This has got you where you are. Focus on something else. Think of something else. Look at something else. But identify that there's a problem. Once I did that, like I said, I started talking more, bringing it out. And the more I get my stress off my mind and my heart, the better I start feeling. And it was like, Man, I wish I would have learned this at 16, 17, 18, 19, that I could just talk to somebody who's going to listen to me. It ain't even just giving me feedback. Just listen to me. Let me get it out. I feel better. But again, I had no black friends, no men, no mentors that I can go talk to about my problems. Yeah, I can go sit with my uncle. I can go sit with my granddad. But it's not like I can sit there and say, hey, I feel bad today. I'm hurting today. My heart is hurting. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I got that. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have got that so much younger. Most definitely. So, and before we go to Devin, Dr. Scott, explain why it's so it's so important to you to mentor our young black man and be a mentor in general? Yes, absolutely. Um, I was fatherless growing up. I never had my dad one day of my life. I grew up around my mother, my grandmother, aunts, girl cousins, and the women in the neighborhood who are mostly single women, single mothers. And I got my first job in high school my senior year, and I worked at an accounting firm and there were two African-American male, males who worked there. And one of them was a sharp dresser, right? And I used, and I loved to dress, right? And then the other one was uh, about 20 years older than me. And he had this afro and that gray in it. And so he looked like a wise man, right? And I literally walked up to both of them. And I'm only 17 years old. And I said, would you all mind mentoring me? And to my surprise, they both said yes, because I knew what I was lacking. I was lack, lacking male education. 
because I, I, I know the world through women lenders, right? And I needed to learn the world because I was getting ready to go to the army right after I graduated from um, high school. And so I needed to know what man up really meant, right? And they were wonderful mentors. So fast forward, when I got into social work, I decided that I want to give to young black men what um, Winfred and David gave to me because their um, interaction with me was priceless, right? And I've been mentoring for now 25, over 25 years, right? And I love every minute of it. And I used to get mad at other black men because I was like, why do I have to mentor 20 boys? Why isn't every black man mentoring every young black boy, right? And then brother, it was my, my mentor, right? And it was my mentor who said, just because you're a man doesn't automatically make you a mentor because that is a heavy duty responsibility and everybody can't do that job. When he said that to me, I was like, I'm done. I'll never be mad at nobody else because it's a calling to want to help somebody. And it's a, and it's not really a part-time job. If you're right. going to be a helpful, giving person, you have to walk around with that uniform on 24 hours a day, right? And now my mentees have master's degrees like me. They're married. You know, so I don't see a bunch of young black men with baby mamas. You know, my mentees are married to black women. You know what I'm saying? They were like, they were athletes who were like, no, I'm a Mary Becky. I'm a Mary Maria. I'm like, okay, well, I'm teaching you how to love you and love ours. No disrespect to nobody else. But this is, and when you're a mentor, of course, you're the blueprint of what you want to see your mentees become, right? I love my black community. I love my black women. I love my black neighborhoods. I love my black career. And that's what I pass on. So it's, it, 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 it's so important to mentor, especially if it's in you. And you don't even have to go in the streets and find a mentee. They're in your family already. Your nephews, your godsons, you know, it, it, Everybody needs somebody to help pull them up. And even at us as grown men, we can still get a mentor. We can still get a mentor. Devin, I know you said you're an entrepreneur. You know what? Yeah. Go and meet more, continue to meet more older entrepreneurs, men who been in business, you know, 30, 40 years, so they can tell you the tricks of the trade. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's always about giving back and showing up. I most definitely agree. I mean, I know in my line of work, um, I have a lot of guys that I just, that I call mentors and say, hey, I'm having a day where I just ain't meet. And it's, it, 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 they, they, they can always provide little nuggets and little wise words. Hey, try this on your next one. Try this or try that. Or say, say it, instead of saying it that way, say it this way. And, you know, it works. So, you know, everybody, like you said, everybody needs that guidance. Um, so I'm going to come to Devin. Um, 
with you being an entrepreneur and and if y'all don't know Devin, um Devin is also uh also had or had his podcast called Rebel Rant. And you know, a couple of Rebel Rants, you 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 came on and you just talked about the different aspects of how us men don't speak and how we hold things in that platform that you were using, how did that help you with your mental health? That was a, it's a, at a certain point. <clears throat> Cause the thing was, you didn't know, nobody knew this. I was doing the rebel rant and I was doing Barbara. And I'm like, I'm new. You got to think I've been cutting hair a total of two and a half years. I'm mentoring people who's been in the business 30, 40 years, like legitimately off of just my hustle and my, and just me putting foot to ass and just learning the business. I'm like, it don't take you long to learn it once you figure out where to start looking. It ain't difficult. I already had a business mind, but me applying it in like that that, that arena and me seeing what where whatever what a lot of people just lack. And I'm like, I was doing the rebel rant and I was doing the barber rant at the same time. So you know, some days I'll do three, four rebel rants in a day. Picture eight to ten is what I was doing. It was mainly it wasn't me crying out for help. It was just my way. It was like, I have to find a healthy way to let out my anger. I can't yell at my kids, even though it's fun sometimes, but because, you know, they do get on your nerves. But that ain't a healthy way to, to let that off consistently. Like, just yelling at them because they did something wrong. Okay, sorry. I'm raising men to not be so sensitive about when, 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 someone, ra- when someone raises their voice. Don't be too sensitive about that. Like some like because if I put them in sports, the coach is gonna raise his voice all the time. So you so so I try to train them with the mindset. I don't don't listen to the tone. Listen to the words. You got you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. And that's what the rebel rent. The rebel rent was basically seven years of me just not talking but listening to what people were saying. Why I hear people complaining about and me going through my situation in my real life. I'm like yeah. I'm like. And in, in my head, I can't compare. Cause I can't compare because I'm like, I'm suicidal, bro. And y'all complaining because you ain't trying. It's like it's like you're trying to say you want to go forward, but you ain't took a step. But you complain about the step you going to take. I just kept hearing that constantly. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna do this business. I'm, what's stopping you? Oh, I don't like being here. Buses run every day. $43 get you out of town. If you really, if you, if you really about it, it's like, what's stopping you from pulling the trigger? And sometimes and the rebel rent was just a different way. You, you had the nice ways. You had the line, your bonds on, you had all them other people, you had all them other platforms. You had the red table talk. I had to give it to you straight the way my dad used to give it to me. It, it wasn't facetious. It wasn't to make you feel bad. It's accountability. That's what the rebel ran was accountability. Number one, you can't be mad about a, about being. That's one thing I learned about being depressed was what is advising me to make these choices to put me in this position that I'm in that I currently do not like. Like, what is advising me? Is it fear? Is it ego? Is it the fact that I'm trying my best not to duplicate what somebody else did to me? What is it? What like what is it? And and then you start trying to you start figuring out you're an amalgamation of all the situations you tried to avoid. You're the outcome. When you try to duck and dodge situations, 
your your character, your personality trait in that moment is just ducking and dodging. It's not actually accepting the truth and dealing with what's going to come from it. Because I fa- I found that I had more trouble dodging it. It's like it was more of it was more of a hassle dodging the truth versus accepting accepting what was right in front of my face. It hurt more. I was cutting myself. I was doing all kind of I was doing all kind of stuff to myself, trying trying to get how to get past the pain, like. It's, it gets to a point where you like, this ain't enough. Is this life? I know, I know God didn't wake me up this morning for me to, for this to be just, uh, so life is just depression and despair. Ain't no way. And it ain't going to come to me. I have to go earn it because currently I'm not fit emotionally. So it's like when you say strong black men, strong, meaning you're fit. Your, your emotional fitness level is high enough to withstand what's to come with whatever business you're in. We, we're in journalism. We're one of the toughest, one of the toughest businesses there is because they don't, because you know, just being in college doing a newscast, Dr. Moyo ain't let nothing slip. <laughs> he ain't let nothing get past you. Right. So it's like that same accountability you have for your career, you got to have for your life. And I just, and I just stopped. And I just stopped trying to be too emotional about it. And we, I'm like, the Bible talks about being emotional. When you're emotional, you can't make, you cannot make good decisions. You make emotional ones. And a lot of the, this, a lot of the ways, a lot of the deeper, darker depths I got into my depression was based off emotional decisions, not logical thinking ones, not my decisions, my emotions decision. Because I knew I was doing something wrong, but I didn't care because I was detached. I was numb. I'm not feeling life. It gets you to a point to where you constantly, you're detaching, you're compartmentalizing every relationship. Every relationship you have is, is a compartment for it. Okay, we just cool over here when we over here smoking a cigarette around. This is when we go. Like, that's too much to be dealing with at one time. Either you're friends with a person or you're not. Either you're going to be there for them or you're not. It's like, I'm stop. I'm like, I'm, I stop with, there's a gray area when understanding people, but decisions, choices are not black, are black and white. And whatever choice you make, you have to be accountable for whatever choice you make. What I'm like, I'm going to claim what's mine to claim. And you, and, 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 but me claim, but a lot of times as men, we want, we want this. It's like, it's what I call the show me yours. And I'll show you mine. If I show you mine, you better show me yours. It's like, if I apologize, if I get, if I get intimate with you, it's a requirement for you to be intimate back with me in order for me to feel safe in that space. But when you look at it, that's forced reciprocity. That's what it is. Because forced reciprocity ain't reciprocity at all. If you want somebody to reciprocate what you're giving, you just give it freely. If you're forcing them to reciprocate it, how is that? In it's like, it's like you start noticing narcissistic tendencies. You start noticing your little control mechanism and manipulations you have on relationships to keep them at bay. Right. And that, And you know you're doing that. Well, you know you're doing that, but it don't seem that bad because it's all about your happiness. It's all about you feel, feeling some type of, it's like you ain't in control over yourself, so you got to be over control of something else in order for it to work out. And that should never be the case. Right. Dr. Scott, before you, um, I know you got to run. Um, leave us with some advice for men who are currently struggling with trying to find their voice um, or reaching out for help and don't know where to go? 
Right. Um, my first words, my first thoughts, my first perspective is um, be brave. Be brave. Know that you matter, right? Um, when you know you matter, when you have strong self-love, and when you're brave, you know that um, in order to be brave, you have to take on things that don't that you're not comfortable with. And to address things that plague your life makes us very uncomfortable, right? But you gotta have, you gotta take them on because who's gonna better solve them than you? If I want to lose fifty pounds. I can look at skinny people all day long, but until I go into that gym, that's when I'm going to lose it. You know, if I want a certain career, I, 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 I have to go for it and I have to get educated and I have to, you know, practice. So with, when it comes to mental health, when, and going back to the, the, the six stages of change that you understand that if you feel you have mental health challenges based on what you've been through in your life. And cause we all have been through things. Be brave enough to say, let me get some help. Even if it's temporary, even if it's just to get you started, you know, develop an advisory board and an advisory board is what you three have. You all three sound like you're very close to each other, been knowing each other for a number of years. You all are each other advisory board members. And what does an advisory board do? They advise each other. So it's like Devin saying, man, Marvin, um, my, my, my girl making me mad, man. I don't know what to do. I want to go and cheat. And then Marvin was like, no, you're not going to do that to my sister. No. Because if she kick you out, you can't come and stay, stay at my house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to hold each other accountable. And you got to say, you know what, man? It sounds like you're really going through it. And I can talk to you, but you might need to call Dr. Scott so he can sit down and really help you with what's going on. And, 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 and guys, you know, we got to be always believe in our strength. You know, Anthony, you are strong. Devin, you're strong. Marvin, you're strong. Even in the moment of your weakness, you're strong. Because one of the things that I, I'm clear about with black folks, and especially men who look like me, we've been through, again, it goes back to all the egregious things that has happened to us for centuries. We were taken from our home, guys. This wasn't an invitation to North America. We were taken. Thousands of us died on the ship coming here. But our ancestors made it through, you know? And so if you believe that you're a survivor, you know, I have to do whatever I need to do to survive. I need to get the help and support to survive. And if you feel like people are judging you, that's an indicator that you need to be away from those people because people who love you and who are invested in you want the best for you. So guys, come and see me. Audience members, come and see me. You know, um, 
my my webs I'm on www.psychologytoday.com or my website highachiever.net. My number three one two four three Scott. You know so and if I can't give you the service, I can direct you in the right order. But we're here, and we're booked. Our us clinicians who have private practice, we are booked lately, and that's a wonderful thing. We are deciding that we are worthy of the help. So, Marvin, keep using this platform to help your people. This is your blessing that God gave you. It's a gift. Keep using it and use it well. Yes, sir. Anthony, stay encouraged. Stay encouraged. You've been through so much, but you're still here. And somebody's looking up to you because they're using your strength that you don't even know you have. And Devin, keep fighting that fight. Keep breaking the stereotypes, showing that black men can own their own businesses. And we can be great. And we can take care of ours. So I am honored to be on this panel with you all. And let's do this again. We, we most definitely have to do it again. And I, and I feel like, you know, as the, grow, as the show grows, we'll be able to do this on a, on a, bigger, on a bigger scale. We'll be able to, you know, maybe do this in person and just have like a, a, a men's, <laughs> uh, like a, yeah. men's, a men's retreat or a men's just, you know, just come out and, and, and just let it out. You know, and, and, if, and if you get nothing else from this episode, the one thing I want y'all to take from this episode is it's okay to let it out. It's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's it, it, you, You're not weak if you tell somebody, hey, I'm not feeling like myself today. Or I'm not, I, I'm not feeling like myself lately. It took, um, you know, and, and my story's, you know, kind of similar to Ants and Devin's. Um, but it took somebody close to me um, telling me, hey, something ain't right. Like you, you up and you not performing the way you you used to at work. You not you you shut off. You reserve. You you you're not talking. You're not um, letting people in. You're not being your extrovert uh, your extroverted self. You know, cause y'all like y'all 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 know me. Y'all know it's nothing for me to pick up the phone. Hey, we at the house. Bring a bottle. We're going to play cards. We're going to turn up, whatever. I wasn't doing that. And it was somebody close to me. It was like, hey, I think something wrong. And you need to, and, and, and you talking to me, it's cool. But I think you need to seek professional help. Because it's, it, it, the first step is always like admitting or seeing the problem. It takes a real man or a real strong man to go out and seek the help that he needs. So I commend Dr. Scott for being, you know, that advocate for black men. I commend Devin for reaching out saying, Hey, I need help and going to get the help that's needed. I respect and, and, and commend Anthony for saying, look, 
this shit ain't right. I gotta go. I, some something's not clicking. I gotta go talk to somebody. And 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 us as men have to do that. Like we're we're already programmed to to lead and to do all these different things, but we gotta program ourselves to say, hey, yes, I'm strong, but I'm only as strong as the people that are holding me up, and and I'm only and, and inner strength is. I need to tune up or something ain't right. So I need to go talk to somebody. Um, you know, so most definitely enjoyed or enjoy, you know, we, we're having a really deep conversation. Uh, Dr. Sky is a prior engagement. So we're going to go to break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Devin and, and, and uh, we'll be back with more Hearts work. Man, welcome back to Hurts World. I am none other than your girlfriend's favorite podcast host, The Big Hurt. And man, we are talking men's mental health today. Um, and I am joined by, man, two of my brothers, uh, Devin Anderson and Anthony Hobson. And um, we were we were talking a little off camera um, about the journey. And the one thing I wanted both of them to highlight was... We talked. We talked earlier about earlier about what got you to the point of the breakdown. But I want them to both talk a little bit about the going through the process of how they're doing now and how they're taking what they learned from the depression and applying it to their everyday life. Uh, so, Ed, we're gonna start with you. Well, my process is this. My process was death and creation. And I say that in the sense of I lost a lot of people in my life, but to replace certain things, elements, God blessed me with two children, my son, Taj, my daughter, Kamara, both of their mothers, which I'm not neither with one of them, but I care for them very much. And I can say they both have been in my corner. And they are two of the few, they are four of the few people in my life that has helped the process. I would say it's ongoing. I would say that yes, it is ongoing in a sense, but as far as that slope of down, I'm past it because of my kids. My son was one, of course, is a man raising a man. I still made mistakes early and I'm still fixing certain things. But when I, like I said, I was raised by women. So when I had my daughter, that was a big eye opener to me because it's not like me raising a man to be a better man. It's now I have the daughter who, what I learned, I have to apply and show her emotional. So, of course, you see on Facebook, whenever I have her, you see pictures, you see videos. That's my cub. That's my partner. That, 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 that's my hitter. I'm, I'm, I'm with it if she with it and she keep me positive. Like, it's weird, but I got to say it. Like, Marvin, as long as you know me, I've never worn pink in my life until I had this little girl. <laughs> Until I had this little girl. <laughs> You're a regular old camera now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's my main thing was, like I said, outside of those physical elements, my main thing was, I can say that, again, I keep repeating this because I want everybody to understand that it's not, it doesn't make me special, but everybody don't get that guy in life. Except like, boy, David said he was like, he had went to someone like me. I didn't think to turn to anyone, but luckily, when I sat down and 
as a blessing and a curse, God put that in front of me with my cousin. And in my mind, when I found out why he did what he did later on, I was like, man, I was in that same fucking spot. That could have been me. That could have been my mother crying. Those could have been my brothers. Like, they could have been my my daughter, my son, like, damn. And without any reason. And the thing about it is, like, you know me, Marvin, how I call myself, like, appreciate everybody see you, it's the Black Wolf. I'm a warrior. I'm an animal. Not in the bad sense, in the good sense. And I ain't never saying an animal quit. I ain't never saying a warrior quit. Like, like I said, with Black men, we've been barbarians. We've been samurai. We've been warlords. We've been all these things. And the white man has dwindled us down into a bunch of closed in, boxed in thinking and feeling individuals. And it was just like I said, it's a realization for myself. I'm I'm the type of person to where I step back and I saw the world for it was looking for me. I had friends like you, Ellis. Like it's like I met y'all when I needed to meet y'all. So y'all are a big part of that too. Because like I said, y'all met, like you said in the beginning, when when you met Anthony, you met Prison Anthony, Project Anthony, Street Anthony, Hood Anthony, Drug Dealer Anthony. And that was over a decade ago. <laughs> so now that I'm in my and now that I'm in my 30s, it's like, man, I'm not trying to go down this same path of doing shit. And one of those biggest problems was I was emotionally feeling like I had to be in a certain position or look a certain way just so people would accept me. But the whole point, it wasn't about looking at it being accepted by other people. It was me trying to figure out how to accept myself. So when I finally figured that, when I figured that out, it was like, why am I so uptight about what people feel about me? Because people who care about me, who really give a fuck about me, like, again, you were Ellie, you fucking up. Like, oh, Lord Jesus, I want to say this on your podcast because I know there's a lot of people that you know it's your party that I admit. But I got to say it, but I got to say it. Because... I I used to drown myself in women. Who I used to drown myself in women. You did. <laughs> Don't say that. Shut up. Shut no, up. No, 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 no. I got, but because you opened the door. But no, like so. Um, and you were past, to it. in a past relationship. Um, like Aunt would come to the crib. We kick it. We party. But Aunt would tell these women, "Look, I ain't shit." <laughs> and they would be like, "Okay." I can- I don't really give a fuck. So and let's then, do it. So later you know, on, like, we get a phone call. Mom, your then, friend did me so. <laughs> and I would get the phone call like, bro, like, the man told you he wasn't shit. I didn't tell you to smash. <laughs> told you he wasn't shit. Why you ain't listening? He told you what it was. Um, you know. So, but, but, you know, you you've grown to out out outgrow that. And and your growth and, and and the maturity that you that you come along with, man, is amazing. Um, you know, so Devin, what is your yeah. what, what does your journey look like um to you? It, it was you ever seen uh you seen the stock market? Yeah. <laughs> up and down, up and down, up and down. Like I got control over it. The next day, I feel like every like the world mad at me. Next day, I feel like I these days I feel like I can't handle it. And it was mainly because my mind was in so many places at one time. Well, h- hold on, Devin. You sound uh, you sound a little robotic. 
Go ahead and say something for me. That didn't work. Better. There we go. Better. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, like I was saying, the way my journey has been going is like it's been zigzagging, up and down. Like, they're very up and down. High lows, like low lows, high highs, like and everything in between. It's, it's my like, thing. I lost my dad last year. So, around this time. So, me having to deal with that, remember, I lost my mom like 10 years ago. So, it's been, it'll be 10 years. It'd be, it actually was 10 years. Uh, it's actually 10 years, May, that my mom been gone. So, it was, it was like 10 years trying to deal with that, trying to, trying to position myself to deal with that. But I was running from it, really, because it's like, it's almost like a movie, almost. Like, for real, like, one day my mom is okay. Next day she's in the hospital. A few days after that. She's on she's on a deathbed telling me, help me. And it ain't nothing I can do. Like, look straight at me. Like, it's every, every, all my other brothers is in the room. My mom looked up and said to me, help me. Within 24 hours, 48 hours, she's gone. Now I got to plan this woman's funeral. Now I have to look at this woman's body, lifeless. Like, it's, it's, it, it took a lot out of me, for real. Like, I, like, I didn't realize at the time how much it was taken out of me, out of me, but, it was to where my family, my family, my family felt that they felt that I was an asshole. I was a bad dude. I was an asshole. I didn't care about how nobody felt about me. I didn't care about how nobody. I didn't care. I'm not gonna be here long. That was my. That was, that was the way I lived. I'm not gonna be here long, and I have kids. And the hard part about it is, is like you, you don't want to hurt your kids. But at the same time, the hurt that you're going through, it's some it's somehow worse. And you feel like you not being here is the best is the best route for everybody. You feel like every time you feel like every time you turn a corner, you're doing something wrong. You never it's never good enough. It's never enough. It's, it's always you gotta have one more goal left in you. It's like I'm tired of I'm tired of fighting every day. I'm I'm tired of I'm tired of having to compete every day. Like it, it wear you down. You get tired. You just then that's when you start getting numb about life. Like, okay, man. Like nothing. Like I used to love going to the movies. I can watch a movie now and be like, okay, because I got away from it. That was my little. That that was something I did since I was a kid. Yeah, think movies for me was my first. The first movies I ever saw in my life was Rush Hour and Blade at the movies, showing together at the same time. So it's a. So movies always been my getaway, like just going to the theater, the whole experience, going by the expensive popcorn, the candy, all that. That's just the experience of being at the movies for me. So I stopped. COVID happened. I really stopped. <laughs> ain't no movies out. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. So like going through, going like, and I stopped finding joy in going to the movies. It was more like a chore after a while. It stopped being fun for me to go. That's when I really started noticing. Like I could go through a whole movie I used to could break it down and do anything to it. Now I just don't care. That's when I knew I didn't like nothing. And and it wasn't and it wasn't like I was so distancing myself from kid my kids or anything. It was like I, I just threw myself in work. I'm in a city where I don't know nobody. I'm like, if we fail, it's my fault. I'm not finna fail. Failure ain't an option. So I got I, I threw myself all in work, but not knowing I'm neglecting them. 
not knowing that they feel distant from me. Like you always at work and when you come home, you always tired. And then whenever you open your mouth, you always complaining. Nothing's ever good enough for you. And I'm thinking the vice versa. I'm ducking and dodging phone calls from friends. They'll call me. I just look at the phone. No lie. They'll call me. I just look at the phone. Like, I don't feel like talking to nobody right now. But then, but then the depressed mind don't understand that by the time you go pick up the phone, motherfuckers tired of your shit. They tired of your shit. They tired of you not reaching out. They tired of you. They tired of you. They not knowing what's going on with you. They tired of that. You have to be, you have to sleep. But that's, but that's where the love comes in. Because if they're mad about you not reaching out, that means they want you to reach out. But it, but when you're thinking, like, ain't nobody here for me but me. Because at the end of the day, when you start seeing people get fucked over bad, like some certain situations, traumatic. Certain betrayals of, of people are, are traumatic for you. <laughs> like you see somebody switch on somebody so fast, you be Boy, stuck you like could, nail on the head. <laughs> nail on the head. Nail on I don't head. want that to be me. And you and that and it ain't fear. It's just that I don't want to deal with the situation. It ain't the fear. If it happened, it happened. But if I have my choice in the matter, oh hell no. Uh-uh. And that caused me to be known. But so, getting through it. But what what changed my mind? The funny thing is, my daughter. Of all the stuff I've yelled at my kids, and did all that. My youngest daughter, not my oldest. She, you know, she like a daddy. She fuck you type, you know her. <laughs> right. And my my old my youngest daughter. She like every chance she gets, she like daddy, I love you, daddy, thank you. She always she just take the time out. None of my other kids do it. I love my other kids to death, but none of my other kids do it the way she do. She'd come up to me, lay her head on me. Eddie, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. All right. And then, and sometimes that's all I need for the day. That's it. That's all I would need to get me through whatever I felt was dragging me down. Like, thank you. Like, okay, thank you. Thank you for getting this. Thank you for going to fix this thing. Because when you were daddy, you run, 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 run. Sit down for a minute. Go to sleep. Because, you know, as we get older, anywhere we can get a nap. We taking a nap. So that's the way it is. And you, you get in where you fit in. You sacrifice and sacrifice. But you get to a point where you got to stop burning yourself off. Sacrifice is one thing, but burning, but burning yourself out and burning and burning and burning off the little piece of light that you do have left, it just ain't worth it. It's just not worth it. And it's like you have to find a healthy balance and bouncing back and being respectful to people who've been there too. A lot of times you get this thought process of selfishness. Let me just be selfish. Let me just be selfish. I don't feel like in order for me to heal, I have to be selfish. Do I have to be selfish with some of my time? Yes. Do I have to be fully selfish? No. It's just that my thing is take care of it as soon as I get up. Take care of my prayer. Take care of, of, of my little affirmations. Everything I need to do to get myself to square one. Take care of it first thing in the morning because I understand my, my role what I have to do for others. And if I'm not okay, I can't do what I do for others. And 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 I'm glad that <clears throat> you talked about, I'm glad y'all both mentioned, you know, God and prayer and affirmations because that's important. Like us as men, like, and I, and I know it, it, it got really big, you know, during the pandemic and COVID where, you know, people, oh, I gotta, I gotta speak affirmations and I got to speak it into the atmosphere and I got to speak it. And, and I get it. It is great. 
But you know, us as men, we don't we don't do things like that all the time. Like we just like you said, we go 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 go, and we run run run, and we just gotta we run into the we run to the next task. And you know, we're so busy being leaders of the household, being fathers, being uh, employees, being being entrepreneurs, being bosses. That you know, we sometimes forget to take that 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 small amount of time for just us. Um, you know, Bay, shout out to Bay. She always makes it a priority. Hey, take a minute for yourself. Don't do nothing for nobody else. Like y'all both know me, like. I'm all about family. I'm all about my kids. Um, but uh, a couple weeks ago, I got paid. Paid all the bills. Everything was straight. Um, and was and she's like, hey, so, you know, you got some money in savings. You got a little couple of dollars. What you going to do with it? I, you know, buy something for the kids. She said, no, nah, go buy something for you. Stop thinking about everybody else for for a change and do something for yourself. So the fact that, you know, you you mentioned taking that time out for yourself is important. I want y'all to know that that time is important. That's part of your mental health. Taking that time to just kind of relax and debrief could be the difference in you having a great day or you being that guy with the shotgun on it on your seat, ready to end it all. You know, so us as men, like like we've been saying the whole show, yes, we're programmed to be the strong one, be take take it on the chin, not the other shit that we deal with. But the true strength is being able to identify one you have a problem, two, getting help for said problem, and three, executing the plan to a T. It ain't easy by a long shot. Like, there are days where I'd be like, man, fuck this shit. I don't want to be here. I'm, I, I'd rather be with, with my granddaddy and my daddy and they're the folks, they'll deal with it. They, they, they'll be okay. But then I got to realize that's just, that's the pressure of everything getting to me, so I need to take a step back, meditate, breathe, whatever it is, and take a minute for my mental health. Because not only is it, not only am I, not only are we black men, like not only are we black men, Man, we black men in America. A country that don't want us, but want us to fight for it. <clears throat> but that's another topic for another day. It is. Uh, like, we... Black people are public enemy number one, in my opinion. Black men, number one. Black women, 1A. Or, if you want to be technical, black women, one. Black men, 1A. You know, whatever. But taking that time to say, hey, 
I gotta take a step back. I gotta, I gotta do something for me. It's important, and I really, really want y'all to to to, to take that from this episode. You're only you're you're strong, yes, but you can be stronger by reaching out and asking for help. But like he said in his episode, like my guy Marvin, like I said, dude, that I know people don't want to hear him say, but Kevin Gates has some real shit. A vision without action is merely just a what? A dream. A vision without action is merely just a dream. So if you see it, you visualize, you feel like it, don't just, oh, I should do this. Like your boy David said, get up and do it. Go do it. Get up and move. Don't just, oh, okay, I need to do this. Okay, it's in your mind. Now what you're going to do that you thought about? It. You've thought of it. You've foreseen it. You've spoken it. Now visualize it and act upon it. Do. Because we don't talk about certain things that we should. We don't accept certain things that we should. We denounce anything that's good for us because we don't, like I said, we don't want to be seen as weak. So we denounce, we we automatically write that out. Like, nah, I ain't going to do that because everybody else is going to see me blase, blase, blase. And that's mostly in the black, and that's mostly in the black hood, black corporate, black anything. The first thing we do, if that man go somewhere, if that man walk out here with his chest stuck out, oh, he this, that, and the other, he's strong, he tough, I like this type of man. But if that man also stop and say, you know what, on top of this, I am hurting. I do cry in the dog. I do have certain things come across me. Oh, you're not what I thought you are. You weak. Now you talk down on that same smart, successful, powerful man that you were just speaking on yesterday and so much positivity. Now he's weak. He's soft. He's inadequate. He's unable. All because he showed that he had chinks in the armor. He's Will Smith. I mean, you got a point. Shoot, he's a lot of people. He's a lot of guys that, okay, I'm on a public platform. I make so much money. I'm seen as this, and this is how you always seen. Now that I'm older and age and I'm more, and this would a problem be because it'd be like we're so successful to have enough money. Now it's like, okay, I can show those sides of me now because I got money to go to no matter how you feel about me. But everybody doesn't have a certain amount of money that he can hide behind to show their vulnerability. So they don't because in our mind, we feel like, oh, I don't have enough. I'm not in the spot to where I can feel that way. And people look at us in a particular light or a particular fashion. And we, over the hundreds of years of this slave mentality, has accepted that. And I, I see, and I see it because I have a lot of brothers. Of course, you know my fam, my sibling pool is deep, and I have brothers in jail now who out free, party, drunk every day, wild. But once he's in and he's sober, now he can talk about those things. Had you came and talked to me, had we been in a situation where we made that a state of life where you're a black man is comfortable enough to come talk to us? stuff like that to us, my brother probably would have kind of talked to me. He probably would have had a conversation with me. He probably wouldn't be in the position he in because he's like, know what, I can get that off my chest. I can get it off my mind. I can get it off my heart. And like I said, you said, Marvin, I've known you for a long time, so what we're not going to speak on, but I've seen it. So 
I know exactly what you're talking about. I know from both sides because, again, we're not going to speak on it, but I've known both parties the same amount of time. So I'm not speaking from a person who only know a bit, bit to piece. You can speak on it, bro. Nah, I'd rather not. Everybody, because every we 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 did a not, whole I'm, series on it. No, no, I know that I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about because you know I'm still semi cool with the other party, and we speak, and I don't want to you know play sides because I love both of y'all. Point taken. And it, and, and that's the thing. Like we, not to say that you wouldn't be here, than where you are, but. The journey, the transition may have been smoother if at that point when we, me, you, Ellis, other people were hanging out, we had stuff. You know what, bro? We got a lot of shit going on that we don't talk about. All of us were sitting around partying, kicking shit with our own smiling, but having our own shit going on in the back of our mind or back at home. And when we sat down, but had we dealt with them, we was out and not just running the muck as we did. I mean, like I said, the transition probably would have been smoother. And 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 I, and I think you're right. Like I feel like when I went through that bout of you know what we're speaking about, and yeah. I'm gonna say it, we're talking about my divorce. Yeah. Um, I didn't reach it. Like, and my brothers would tell you, like, um, they 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 were upset with me. Not well, they were upset upset with me because of the action but they were more upset with me because I didn't reach out and just say, Hey, I'm going through something. I need help. I, Cause like all y'all were here, but I didn't take the initiative to initiative to say, Hey, I'm going through it. I don't know who all I'm only speaking on the ones who can agree. Cause I can agree to me. It's because we, 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 we sidekicked your bullshit because we was your guy. My guy, like, one thing about I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Tierra. And one thing about it, <laughs> if you, Ellis, not to say that Ellis is doing anything. <laughs> right, because, look, that man's yeah. happily married. Yeah, happy, happy. He good and happy. Trust me, he happy. He's in love. But uh, if y'all call me, one thing about it, I don't give a fuck if we talk every day. Every other week, every other month, every other year. If one of y'all call me, y'all know my what you need me to say, what you need me to know. What do I need to do? But and, and, and I did it. Like I, we, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna seriously. <laughs> like I, I literally called Ed. Like, hey, so you, if you, if it ever come out, which you do, story. I got you. And that's how we rocked it. But think about it is at the same time, and that's what I was gonna say. When I said to every, I'm only speaking to the people who were in the seat that I was in. We didn't stop and say, you know what? I'm with you on this story, but gee, if you where you are with it, because I was listening to an emotional thing because it's different. You're married. You're not just out here like we are anymore. You're married, so if you feel like it's that, maybe it's more of an emotional thing. Maybe y'all need to sit down and have a conversation without arguing. Just you know what? This doesn't work. We need to go this way. Because the thing about it is, how would like I said, you know, I've been engaged before, and we ended on a bad note with with the shit, my bullshit. I would never put it on her. It was my bullshit, and it was never a moment where it was like, you know what, I dig it. I get what you're going with this. I mean this, but also take this with 
I'm a, I'm not gonna get you in trouble. I'm nigga, I'm have your back regardless. This is the military. Never leave a man behind. But also, maybe you should just pull her to the side and talk to her. And I'm not happy. You're not happy, or whatever the case may be. And let's just part ways. Let's not hit each other, blow for motherfucking blow as we go down this road. Right. And and because, you know it's it, it's crazy because like that conversation. Now, so I didn't have that conversation with you. But I had that conversation with a couple other people, and I was just like, eh, whatever. I wasn't mentally ready to just kind of hear, get the, I wasn't miss, I wasn't in a good mental state to receive the information. So, you know, it, it's one thing to, to reach out for the help. It's a completely different thing to accept it. So even if we're at the point, like, I, 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 and I'm going to be 100, I think I, even if I felt like I would have reached out, I don't think I was in a mindset to accept the help or even accept the advice to say, I well, maybe I do need to do, a di- do this a different way. You know? So, kudos, I mean, and, and, and that's important too. Like, yeah, reach you know, go for the help, but also be willing to accept the help and do the work to fix your issues, man. And and, and that 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 in a nutshell is how you truly heal. You know, the hardest step, one of the hardest steps, yeah, is is asking for help, but it's a little bit harder to take what somebody's saying. And accept what they saying and do the work. And I feel like a lot of us men are strong, but we ain't strong like that to do the work. And we gotta get to that point. And a lot of us are like, you know, we get into we more and more, more and more men are reaching out to therapists. More and more men are taking pride in in, in their mental health. But it's all about asking for the help and then accepting the help and moving forward. So, um, but man, great conversation. Uh, we got our small business highlight uh, coming up. And uh, so stay tuned for that. You're listening to Hearts World. We'll be right, right back. Man, welcome back to Hearts World. I am none other than your girlfriend's favorite podcast host to be heard and i am joined by our official sponsor of the mini mix this month miss lakeisha do i want to so i know your whole name but i don't know <laughs> if i want to use your whole okay i'm joined by miss lakeisha in henderson is what we're gonna we're gonna, we gonna i ain't want to put your business out there um <laughs> but i'm joined by keisha she's a, she is our small business uh, the month sponsor, and she is also the official sponsor of the mini mix this month. And, uh, you know, just like we did with Jasmine last month, I wanted to do a small business spotlight for our small business because at here at Hertz where we want everybody to win. 
So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let her introduce herself um, and tell, her, tell us a little bit about herself. Love that intro. I feel special. But I am. I'm Lakeisha Henderson. You can address me as Lakeisha Henderson. Um, I am a realtor with Wiker Realtors SPM. That's one of my many hustles that I have. And I've been doing it for about two years now. And it's pretty cool. Um, outside of real estate, I work in accounting and finance. And I love music and food, and exercise. So that's that's the bulk of me and who I am. So music, food, exercise usually don't go together. They don't. I, lo- I love the same things. <laughs> um, and so wait, it's been, so I mean, I remember when you first passed the test, but you, you've been, like, it don't seem like that long ago. It's been two years you've been doing this? It has. It will be two years, October. Yes, it has been almost two years. Time been flying, dude. Man, this pandemic made time go real by real, real fast. So exactly. Let's get into it. So what made you I like and 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 this is a very generic question, but it is a it's a it's a legitimate question. A lot of people are in are are flocking towards real estate. What made you want to go into this field, or what what was the bug that did you to get you into this? Oh, I'll be honest with you. I was scared that I was about to lose my job. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, I was working um, at the time. I was working for this company. It's an agriculture company. It's a startup company. Um, and I'm not going to say that name because I'm sure after I get to talking a little bit, people going to know if you're in corporate America. But they had so many ups and downs. It was too much going on, too many people being laid off. And honestly, I was fearful that I was going to be one of those people. Even though one of my positions was a very important position, everybody can be replaced, right? So mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I mean, what can I do that I can make extra money in the event that this does happen? Um, I've always been great with sales. When I was in college, I worked in sales. It was never anything. It wasn't going to take up too much of my time, right? My full-time job was already demanded as it was, and I can do this whenever I felt like it. So I went on and um, read up. I think the test was the test was inexpensive, and then the course was inexpensive. So I was like, I mean, if I can do all this and be done within like three weeks, get my certification. I mean, get the you know, certification to be done with the class. Take the test, be done. I can start selling immediately. Why not? And then you get paid the minute you do something. So it was an easy way for me to be like, you know what? Let me go and do that just in case something happens. And in the event nothing happens, I can put this money up for my future. Because I don't have children, of course. But when they get here, I want to make sure they straight. So I can go ahead and start putting this money up for my future. That's technically how I got into it. Now that I'm into it, it's pretty cool. I like doing it. Okay. So um, what made you choose the firm or the, the, the real estate company that you're with? I chose Weicker, um, SPM to be exact, because it is a franchise company. When I purchased my home in 2014, my cousin was a realtor and she worked for this company. So um, normally they'll tell you this when you get your real estate license. You know, when you're looking for a brokerage to go to, 
you're the interviewer, right? You're interviewing them to see what they can do for you. And I knew I wanted to go to a um, company where I knew someone, so I wasn't going to be taken advantage of. That's one. And two, I needed to go somewhere where the engagement wasn't, how can I say this? I'm not going to say the engagement. The work wasn't, sort of say, mandatory. I'll say that. Because, again, it was part-time for me. If it's part-time and I have to pay you a fee every week or every month or something, then it's not going to benefit me with my lifestyle, what I got going on. So it was pretty much And it was easier as a part-time realtor um, to go with Wiker. Now, disclaimer, when I say part-time realtor, that means part-time as in within that company. If I'm your realtor, I'm your realtor 24-7. You text me, you call me, I'm going to answer because I work from home anyway. Um, so part-time realtor as it relates to paper, full-time realtor as it relates to you and what you want. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about what... Um, what so I, I've, know, I've known a lot of people that have gone through the home buying process. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people said, hey, you know, get your credit score to a 620 and do a first time home buyer's loan and, <laughs> and you get whatever you want. They're going to approve you. So talk a little bit about, uh, don't, you got to go into, you know, deep detail. So talk a little bit about the process and why somebody would want to choose you as their realtor. Okay, so I would say, for one, the reason you want to choose me for your realtor is I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't have no money, I'm just going to tell you, look, you ain't got no money. Now, right now, at the time, because if I'm being, now, I'm going to be real with you because I want you to be real with me. That means neither one of us going to make no money. In this case, if you don't get a house, you don't get equity, which is money in your pocket. If you don't get a house, I don't get paid. If you don't sell your house, I don't get paid. So to eliminate confusion and wasting of anybody's time, I'm going to tell you whether I think, you know, it is a great decision. Now, in the midst of me telling you whether it's a great decision, if you decide, hey, I got approved for it, I want to go for it. Hey, I work for you. I will go whichever way you want me to go. Just know we're going to be in this process a little long if you don't listen to me. So I, I would say that is the main reason because I'm just going to be completely honest with you. The second reason you should choose me as your realtor is because I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. If you tell me you don't want to spend no more than $10,000 out of your pocket, then I'm going to make it to where you don't spend more than $10,000 out of your pocket. But I'm only going to be able to work with you if you're able to work with me. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you're able to work with me. If you say you only want to spend $10,000, but your house is $250,000 and you only get $5,000 in down payment assistance, sir, you might need eleven, twelve. dollars It just depends on what the interest is at the time. Well, I can't do that. Well, we need to look for a house that's cheaper than two fifty. I'm just going to be real with you, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And lastly, you want me to be your realtor because we're going to have fun. I mean, getting a house is a serious, serious situation. And it is one of the biggest purchases that you will ever make in your life. So, yeah, you're going in there with your knees shaking. Oh, my God, I don't want to spend too much money. Or I want to make sure I'm right, making the right decision. I want to make sure I'm in the right location. We're going to have fun the entire time. If you want to go look at a house and you know you can't afford the house, just to give you some motivation. Guess what? I'm going to make that appointment for you. 
Like we're going to really enjoy this process because once you get in there, that's when I like to say life really hits. You get to decorate, you know, you get to change things around. You go outside, work in your garden. It is your house. It is a great time. It's also a stressful time. So I want to make sure it is fun. So those are my top three reasons. Um, You also asked me to tell you a little bit about the process. Without going into a deep, deep consultation, it's, it's really simple. It's one, two, three, and it goes as fast and as slow as you want it to go. Your first thing is you have to get approved for a mortgage. Before getting approved for a mortgage, I get this a lot. And you said it earlier. People said, I got to get my credit score up. I got to, you know, make sure I got this amount of money saved. Let me tell you something. Your credit score, we're going to be able to work with it. I have a mortgage lender that up. Approve you with a little as a 500 credit score. You probably need to put down 10%, but you can have as little as a 500 credit score. Your credit score is only going to help you so much, whether it be in interest or, of course, in what you can get as your down payment and how much you can get approved for. The money that you have in your pocket, that's what's going to help you. That's what's going to push because we're in a market where investors are taking over. You can get approved for a house of 150000 And to be honest with you, that's nothing nowadays. That's truly nothing. $200,000 is nothing. Now, I'm not saying it's nothing as in you can't find anything because you can. You can find multiple houses at that price, but you're bidding against investors who's coming with cash. So if you don't have, you know, the extra five, ten, twenty thousand dollars in your pocket for us to play with, then it is going to be harder. Doesn't mean you can't get the house. It's just going to take a little bit longer. So getting approved for your mortgage. That's number one. Number two, once we get approved for that mortgage, I get that pre-approval letter. We're about to start going out seeing houses. We can see as many houses as you want, as little houses as you want, whenever you want to see them. If you want to put a bid on it, we'll put a bid. Hey, just cross our fingers that we'll get an answer back. If not, on to the next one. And lastly, once you get a bid accepted, you get on contract, we prepare you to get into your home. That means we'll get your inspection, we get your appraisal. All the paperwork is done. You haven't done nothing to your credit. You haven't went and got a car or anything. So I don't have to worry about them coming back saying that you can't get this house. I hope I don't. So here we are at the finish line. We're walking up to the closing table. I got your bottle of wine, my bottle of wine. Toast, sweet, and closed. That's it. It is literally as simple as one, two, three. It is as long as you want it to be, as short as you want it to be. The pickier you are, the longer it's going to take you to find a house. So you tell it. That was a lot. <laughs> it, it was. But it was it was really informative, and you made it seem really, really simple. So now I got to rewind. You apply for the mortgage. You get approved. Why the hell are you trying to go buy a car anyway? You will be surprised. Do you hear me? You will be surprised what people do. I mean, you'll be surprised. I had a guy last year, as a matter of fact, he wanted, he wanted to, um, what was he about? I I think he was getting a, a credit card. American Express. That's what it was. He kept talking about he wanted an American Express card. And I'm like, okay, you want an American Express card. 
You need to wait. What do you mean I need to wait? If you get an American Express card, mark my words, bro. They don't run your credit. It's going to hit. Knocking on something. I want y'all to know. And y'all can hear that knock on wood now. When I tell you do not do anything to your credit, do not do anything to your credit because I promise you, they will run your credit again the week of closing, if not the morning before you close. They will run your credit. And if they see anything new up there, poop, red flag, you all dressed up thinking we finna close and they done told you to wait. We got to go through underwriting again. And that may take another 24 to 48 hours. And if they come back, your debt to income ratio then poop, went over the line. You done sold your house. You done told your landlord you about to go. And you were so happy about this. $15,000 credit card that you done got from American Express that your ass ain't got nowhere to stay now. That's the thing that I be wanting to hit people with. Now, he did listen to me. He did not get the car. What he did, and it was funny, the day that he moved into his house, right after he closed, he applied like two, three hours later. Now, I can't confirm if he got it or not because I ain't asked all But it, w- it is not something smart to do. Do not do something like that. Don't get a card. Don't. I mean, if you want to pay a bill off, great. Do not add anything. If you got a credit card and you just want to swipe and just get some it, nope, leave it alone, baby. Just wait until we get in this house because they're tracking everything that you do. So one of the one of the myths, or you know, because y- y'all know who I work for, I don't have to tell you. Y'all know who I work for. Um, one, like I had a customer tell me, hey, I'm trying to get a house. Um, so I can't switch my cell phone service right now because it's going to hit my credit. I said, well, now, like, you know, this is one company um, that does, it doesn't affect you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but she swore up and down. My relative said, don't do nothing. And all I could do was respect, you know, her wishes because she trying to buy a house. Um, so with the particular, so I guess my question is if you try to go get a new cell phone with a different carrier or a different company, does that it, show up? It's, it, I, I cannot confirm or deny her claims. But what I can say is being an ex-employee of where you used to work and also knowing the credit side, that is a soft pool. So as a soft pool, yes, it will show, but it won't have a major impact as it relates to your score. Um, But as a realtor, I appreciate you for not pushing her to run it because in the event that it did, that just put her in in the bubble. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you and, know, and I, it's really hard to say because I again I can't confirm it, but I believe different companies pull different ways. But with the company we you know you work for, I know it is a soft pool. I also know that um, T-Mobile. I think they got Sprint. I know that they are soft pool as well. Well, I don't I don't get in nobody way of trying to get to their bag. So uh, I didn't I didn't press the issue. <laughs> um, she can she, she can get her house and then we'll just we'll take pictures with her new phone and her new house um, mm-hmm. and we'll do it like that 
So before we let you up out of here, um, what advice um, would you give to anybody out there that is currently in the market? Um, oh, well, before you, before you answer that, I know you, I know you buy, you help people buy and sell. Do you help renters also? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I help. If you want to sell your house, if you want to buy a house, if you want to rent, or even the commercial properties. I mean, if you want a business or if you want to sell your business, please give me a call. I am game for it. Um, and I'm make sure I get you your top dollar. I really will. You have my word. You may have a letter from an investor that's saying, hey, we'll give you this amount of money for your house. Let me come list your house. Give me a call. Let me list it because I can guarantee you I can get more people to bid on it. And, and if we don't, guess what? Them people still want your money. They, I mean, they still want your house and you still going to get their money. It's going to always work out. So every area of real estate, and I'm only licensed in Tennessee. I am not licensed in Mississippi. So if you're looking to go to Olive Branch or South Haven, still give me a call. I do have a colleague directly that I work with that'll get you in those houses over there. Of course, I'll take you to see. Um, she'll just have to go through all the other, um, the other processes. So, um, and when I say anywhere in Tennessee, not just Memphis, uh, last year I sold a house out in Clarksville, Tennessee. I sold a house in Nashville. So really anywhere in the tri-state area, anywhere in Tennessee, give me a call. Um, so what advice do you get? Would you give somebody who is, uh, not and I'm not an advocate of anybody getting fired. <laughs> but what what would be one thing that you would say to somebody who's who may be who may feel like, hey, my brother said ain't doing all the things that I just heard Keisha tell me that she could do or she would do. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not getting my full experience. Um, you know, what would you tell that person? Or, and what would you tell a person who's just starting out to look, you know, for a house or sell a house and they need somebody to help them out? I definitely say get a consultation. Um, I'm I'm great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I can talk myself up. I'm amazing. Come on now. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. We're going to have so much fun together. It is going to be an amazing process with me. So I would love for you to give me a call and let me know how I can help you. And we can talk through those things, but definitely you, you, we work for you, you know, interview us. What do you want? What are you looking for? And what do you acquire of me? You know, for me to be able to help you. That's, that's the biggest advice I can give. Um, Another set of advice I want to give people is just start. I know people are, you know, the housing market is crazy. Houses are too high. Let me tell you something. The prices of houses, they are not going down, period. So if you're going to buy one, buy it. You need to get what you want anyway. This is this is the world. Stuff's going to go up and down for the rest of our lives. We might as well spend it on what we really desire and what we want. And why not make it this purchase that you can benefit from later? Because huh, that's equity. That is equity. I've been in my house five years, four years, four years. I've been in the house four years. And I've already accumulated over half of what I got for you. Already. Not only because the market has went up, time has went on. Nothing's broken. Everything was freshly new when I got it. You're talking about four years in with a roof, four years in with new windows. My house is still profitable. 
So that's something that you want to, you know, don't just drag your feet with it. If you want a house, get a house. Well, my credit score is not right. Focus on your credit. Do not get me wrong because you do want a great debt to income ratio, but you really need to be focusing on putting some money up because that's what you're really going to need. What you're paying for a mortgage now, your mortgage may be high when you get it. I'm not even going to see him BS you. If we can get you in the house right now, your mortgage might be a little bit expensive because interest rates are over 6%. Prior to COVID, you know, this is what it was. Six, seven, nine, 12%. This is what it was. Now that it's back to what was normal before COVID, everyone thinking it's expensive when really, no, this is what it used to be. You just didn't take the opportunity during COVID when it was one, two, three percent interest rates. But remember, the prices of houses are going to continue to go up, but the interest rate can always go down. So we can go ahead and get you in that house and you might have an interest rate of seven percent. But listen, you can refinance within a couple of months and you may refinance. And then one morning you wake up, the housing market is one percent. You better get on your phone and call me. Hey, look, I'm going to call you. I got your number. I got the person, the mortgage lender. Let's call the mortgage lender. Let's let's figure out how you can refinance this and change your $1,500 mortgage to a $1,000 mortgage. There are really ways around it. The longer you take, the more money is going to come out of your pocket. It is a crazy market. That is true. But you might as well step your foot out there and give yourself a chance because it's a gamble either way. Dropping knowledge. I'm dropping knowledge, bro. Man, when, whenever I whenever I am approached by a small business, I'm always not necessarily skeptical, but I'm always amazed at the things that I learn, you know, from these small business owners. Um, and it's always better when I when I know a little bit about them. Yeah. Um, you know, so now I know, and and and, and to be honest. You know, when I started the podcast and I wanted to do the small business spotlight, um, I was a little nervous because I'm like, okay, you know, when I had the first, um, when I had the first podcast, we didn't necessarily, we, we just did a small business highlight and we didn't charge. Um, and then when I went to the radio station, it was more of like, hey, we got to get sponsors, but it wasn't really, I wasn't really on top of that. You know, so when I started Hurst, what I was like, well, I want to do a small business spotlight, but there are people who are paying for free publicity. Why not me? You know, and, and it's, it's, it's really amazing to me that, you know, we've had two not only small business owners, but black women, small business owners, take a chance on Hurts World. And I really, really appreciate y'all for that. Always, um, man, always. So before I let you up out of here, um, of course, I know y'all gonna hear it in the mini mix, but tell these folks how they can reach and how they can get in touch with you. Oh, so many ways, so many ways. Well, you guys can call me. And yes, I'm throwing my number out there, but I got some in. I always say that. I just, I love my man. Y'all got to be extra. But my telephone number is 901-297-7549. If you call me and I do not answer, shoot me a text message immediately following. Again, I do um, 
I do have a full-time job, but I will respond back immediately. Um, I may be a mean or something, but if I do not answer, please text me immediately and I'll get back with you. You can email me at ownit901 at gmail. That's O-W-N-I-T-901 at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to check out my Facebook page. It's Lakeisha Henderson and my IG page, which is I got the keys underscore 901. So, yeah, y'all, just reach out to me. Even if you just have some questions, um, a consultation is free. It's, it's free for you to call and ask me questions. It's even free for you to get, you know, some numbers from me if you want to reach out. I am not the realtor that's going to make you sign a contract the first day I meet you. You know, I know you want to feel me out just like I want to feel you out. So we'll get to know each other a little bit. We'll get you approved and then we'll get started on the business side of things. But that's how you can reach me. Again, it's 901-297-7549. Own it. 901 at gmail.com, Lakeisha Henderson on Facebook, and I got the keys underscore 901 on IG. That's mm -hmm. free game. You can contact her four different ways. Make sure it's business related because <laughs> I don't need nobody hollering at me. Hurt. So and so takes my phone trying to slap. <laughs> don't slap. Y'all know I tell folks to slide her folks' DMs. Don't slide her DMs, please. Because <laughs> I don't want the smoke um, that, that's going to come if you slide in the DMs. <laughs> um, I don't want no smoke. <laughs> I don't want them type of problems. Um, now, let's be 1,000% let's be honest. I'm not scared of Keisha. <laughs> I'm not even scared of Keisha Man. <laughs> I'm scared of Keisha's cousin. This is true. <laughs> that woman, and y'all know how I feel about Zayus. That woman scares me, and it's, <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's in a good way. It's all jokes. Uh, but shout out to to LB. But look, uh, shout out to you before I get off of here. I was a part of a uh, podcast for a little while on um, Sundays, and I still love each and every one of those individuals. But it is hard to have a podcast, have a job, still maintain friendships in everyday life. I really do applaud you for doing this. And I could not wait to, you know, sponsor. I hope to sponsor again um, in the future. But I like what you're doing. Keep it going. There's not too many African-American guys at that you know, pushing the podcast the way you're doing. So I'm, I'm proud of you. I really am. I really, really am. So keep it going. I really appreciate that. Um, I will be back with my final thought after this. Stay tuned. More Hurts World coming up. Bye. Man, what a deep, deep episode um about mental health um the mental health struggle in our country is real especially among the black community and then if you dig even deeper it's even worse for black men um you know dr scott gave us a lot of resources um to reach out to um if you need somebody to talk to Man, inbox your boy. Um, send a 
you got my number, text me. My my inbox is open. If you just need somebody, hey, can you just listen to me? Because a lot of times it's the, the one thing that I've learned, it's not always about a response. Sometimes you just need somebody to just sit there and listen to you just speak whatever it is you need to say. And a lot of us hold that stuff in and we don't have anybody to just speak on how we feel. Um, you know, my brothers um, that were on the show today give me a hard time, but I know that I can call them and speak my mind without judgment, without somebody disappro- disapproving of what I'm saying. And if I, if, they, if I just need somebody to listen, they're there to listen, you know. Um, but my circle is, is, is tight. You know, I have that group of individuals um, that will, you know, tell me, hey, yeah, we hear you, but hey, you were wrong in this situation. Or, hey, yeah, your feelings are valid. Or, you know, I just need to, to I just need you to listen or, or seek help. You know, and we, I feel like we all need a group of people, um, whether it be family, friends, therapists, whatever. We need that group of that person that we can go to to just vent and let everything off. Um, but man, it has been, it has been an amazing time. Um, the last two episodes, um, we have some dope, dope men come on and talk about feelings and emotions and being fathers and, and being vulnerable. And I really hope that, um, y'all took something from me these last two episodes, you know, of course the father's episode. And then of course, then today's, uh, mental health episode, um, Man, we got a lot of stuff coming up in July and August. Man, I hope y'all are really, really enjoying this. Um, I appreciate all the love and the support that y'all are giving me. Um, all the, the the great comments and the reviews that y'all are leaving um, about Hurts World. Y'all are y'all are listening because um, I'm I'm seeing the numbers steadily climb. And you know, to somebody like me who, man, I. I, I enjoy this, but there's still a fear of, um, you know, doing this on my own. And the fact that, you know, y'all are taking time out to listen and give feedback and just be there um, is, is really, really amazing to me. And I really, really just want to say thank y'all. And I appreciate y'all. As always, if you don't work, you don't eat. And man, you got a car for you can walk. Walk for you can run, and then run before you can fly. I am none other than your girlfriend's favorite podcast host, The Big Hurt, as my guys like to call me, a.k.a. King Petty. Um, I will see y'all when I see y'all. Perk out.